Hello and welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. Today, we have Ryland Shattig on the show and he was just amazing. We talked about a lot of awesome things. We touched upon his injury on his season last year, some of the ups and downs that he had and how he maintained some of his fitness and some of the mental stuff that he kind of went through with that. We talked about some of his training volume and some of the things that he does that helps prepare him for this and how he's kind of really come along into running. We talk a lot about the difference between who you are as an athlete and who you are as a person and kind of how those things can kind of be convoluted and how it could be detrimental to your performance and just like your overall happiness. So Ryland's an awesome dude, very well thought out and has a great perspective on training and on life. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you'll enjoy it as well. And if you are enjoying these conversations, if you're new to the show or if you've been listening for a while, hook us up with a review, five stars. That'd be awesome. Or it's on you can do it on Spotify. It's like super easy. Just like Click five stars. I don't even have to like leave the screen. It's great. Cool. So with that, let's get into it. Ryland Shattuck. You're just saying you're thinking about moving back into your van. You're doing some home improvement projects to kind of get things ready and settled. How often, like, is that something you were doing? Were you living out of your van for a while? Yeah. So for the last two years, I was living out of my van. Um, part of the good that came from my fractured calcaneus my heel uh, last year in Utah um, was after a little while I actually fractured my calcaneus then I got my wisdom teeth out since I was already on short-term disability at work and then I got COVID um, pretty bad and so it was kind of like bang bang boom Uh, so I was I was not in a good spot for a little bit um and so it was just frustrating and I actually started focusing on what I could do because that usually helps me when I get into a bad state of mind. It's like, okay, what can I do? So I started looking at houses because um, that's why I moved into a van was like, I love Utah and the housing market here sucks. It doesn't yeah, Colorado as well, I'm sure. Everywhere, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're projecting the population in Utah to double by 2050 which is crazy because everyone's moving from California, bunch from Colorado, a bunch from Texas, like everywhere. Um, so I wanted to get a house here before it gets worse. So I started looking, ended up buying in November. Um, and that was about when I started running again. Uh, okay. So, so I was got it a, from July to November was you were not running at all. Uh, I started running a little in October. Um, wow. but like, 10, 15, maybe 20 miles towards the end of October. I don't think I did anything up, up to that in October, but most of it was on like a weight assisted treadmill Hmm. for about three months. I didn't run at all. Like I was in a boot for six weeks, seven weeks. Um, a week after Utah is when I got put in the boot cause I didn't go to the doctor cause I thought I just like bruised my bone or something. Then it turned out to be a fracture. I was in a boot basically about two months out from Utah. Um, And then I got out of the boot and got told to just walk on it in a normal shoe and started running on like a weight assisted treadmill, like a zero gravity treadmill. ZOG, like it has like the waist uh, harness. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's good that you have access to something like that. Was that just at the PT? Yeah, it was at my PT clinic. That's actually the only reason I went to PT because. To be honest, like he was just giving me a bunch of stuff to do that I like single leg work that I do by myself anyways. 
Um, and I was like, I already like, why yeah, am I paying you for this? Bone. And then I yeah. found out he had a cool treadmill and I was like, okay, I'll keep coming to PT. So <laughs> I was paying like yeah, $80 good... a session to run on this treadmill. <laughs> Those treadmills are wildly expensive. I was looking yeah. at them and there's a different kind now that I've seen pushed out. There's like, you like kind of are like bungees. Um, but it's also crazy expensive. They're just not a good alternative to, to having that, but it would be something that'd be great. Cause like it says like when it's a bone injury, it just needs time. Yep. It just like, it's not like a, a soft tissue or an imbalance where you might need PT to help strengthening things. You just need to, that bone just needs to not be broken anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up cause I did want to, I did want to talk to you about this and kind of where, like, kind of where your head was at with the injury, because Last year, you, when I first took notice of your results, was I think one of your first races. Like you mentioned, you went into was it Arizona? Like your first race last year, about a yeah. year ago. Like from the moment we're talking, yeah, and nice. you you did age group because you couldn't do elite because that's just how the rules work. But then the next day, you're on the podium with Kirk and VJ. So it was like a really stacked podium, and then just this guy, I was like, okay, who is this person here? And, and so I, I started following you a little bit and then you had that breakout race that I think a lot of people would take notice at Utah where you're second place, uh, at a stacked field with one of the earlier us national series race, a grueling course. So, and then that was really like, okay, like this dude is, is legit. He's, he's here. Um, and you had some other races sprinkled in there. Like you did Montana, right? I think you did mm -hmm. a stadion, um, and some other stuff, but that was really like, okay, wow, this is, this dude is going to be a presence here. And then, but during that race, you broke your heel, which must've been this wild wave of a, a super high and then hit with this kind of season ending injury. So what was that like to have that? Did it feel like a, like a big wave? Because it sounds like you just tried to power through that heel injury. You're like, oh, okay, this is probably no problem because I wouldn't, when I heard that that was the injury, I was really kind of shocked at that too. I've almost never heard of that happening. Um, so were you just riding high and thinking like, okay, I just need to get better or were, and, and when you realized that you were, your season was probably over. Like, what was that like? Um, you can, you can ask a lot of people that are close to me. And I think most of them would tell you that I'm a fairly positive, optimistic person, but I consider all the negatives. I don't know if that makes sense, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm constantly thinking of like every scenario that could happen and hopeful for the positive, but realizing it could be some negative. So it was day two that I broke my heel and it was so hot and warm. And there had been thousands of people coming into that dunk wall and out that it had drug a ton of the water out. And I don't think they were refilling it. And I, I think I was like 30 seconds off Atkins. So I, we were right by the finish. I shouldn't have been racing as hard as I was or as aggressively, but that's kind of just how I race is like, I just want to see how well I can do. Mm. Um, even though I probably wouldn't have caught him, like it was too late. I wouldn't have caught him. Um, but I jumped in and, um, I smacked one of the big boulders at the bottom really hard on my heel. It hurt, but it didn't, didn't seem like it was a big deal. Um, and then I started walking on it right after and it got progressively worse and worse. And I was running up to go film my, well, running, limping up to go film my little brother who was finishing cause he raced age group. 
um, and won his first age group race at Utah. Nice. Um, and then my girlfriend was racing in open waves, so I limped up again. And that's when it got really bad, and I actually missed podiums because I couldn't make it back down in time. Because um, I was like, I was moving was pretty slow. Yeah. Huh. Um, so you were like stranded at the top. Like, what'd you do? <laughs> Did yep. you like somebody carry you down? Uh, I just limped on it, to be honest. Like, just walked on my toes on my left mm -hmm. foot. And it, it really was only painful if I planted my, my left heel on the ground. So I thought I bruised a bursa sac right underneath my mm -hmm. calcaneus or I had a bone bruise. It mm -hmm. honestly, like, I, it didn't hurt bad enough or really ache enough for me to think that I fractured something. So I think it was day four when I finally went and got an x-ray because I had to call in sick to work because I was like, lots of the time we have to pick up people that are three, 400 pounds. Uh, and obviously they're on some sort of tarp or something. Um, and we all help pick them up, but still you're picking up pretty heavy people and moving them and, or if somebody like if a bad case scenario happens and you have to help drag somebody out of a house, um, mm -hmm. you're a firefighter, correct? Just for yes, context. Sir. Yeah. Got it. <clears throat> then like I would feel terrible if I just was in too much pain type thing. So it, I, when it's the, the livelihood of other people, right. And like your team, it's yeah. probably better not to go to work. Yeah. So I called in sick, um, still optimistic that it would just get better. And then when it started aching all night, um, I was starting to consider it might be broken, but I still just thought it was a bone bruise. Then I finally went and got an x-ray. Um, and when the doctor came in and told me that it was fractured, I was like, okay, so what does this mean? And he said, well, you're probably not going to be to work for at least 12 weeks. Mm. and you're going to be in a boot for eight mm -hmm. at least. And I honestly like teared up in the doctor's office because I was like, yeah, take away running. Okay, I can bike. But also you're taking away my job now too. And I can't do hike and flies. I can't climb very well. Like literally the only thing I could do is like core work and upper body work. Um, mm hmm which is, which are kind of my least favorite things to do, to be honest. Um, and so I, I really just sat there and yeah, I didn't know what to do for a while. Um, and it was just frustrating cause I had finally put together probably my first three months of solid run training. Cause after Arizona, I was like, okay, maybe I can be okay at this. So I slowly started increasing my mileage and, um, kept my tendonitis at bay, like managed everything pretty well. I feel like leading up to Utah and then had a really good race. And I was excited to try and get in the series rankings and everything. Mm -hmm. Cause I still could have made it with, uh, Asheville and big bear. Cause I could have hit right. three so of the five. Yep. Right. But then I was like, well, 12 weeks out from the day I went into the doctor's office was uh, like North American championships or something. So it's like, there's no way I'm going to go straight back into a beast after being in a boot for that long. Mm -hmm. So I held out hope for Abu Dhabi. Um, that was like my, my end goal and possibly like the Spartan games or something. Mm. And so I just, I focused on, 
uh, upper body stuff and core for a long time. And uh, I wish I would have been more confident in what I knew about my body and incorporated more movement in my lower body because the calcaneus doesn't get much blood flow. And the doctor I had was very conservative and like, just don't move it. Like, be careful because right where it's broken, it's attached to the tendons on the bottom. I don't want it to like pull and rip away. So after the first couple weeks, uh, I went in for another x-ray and he's like, it's pretty good now, but I still want you to, like it's healed, but it's freshly healed. So it might break again because I healed really fast. I was taking like bone supplements, two different kinds, like eating as clean as I could. Um, And so I was, uh, I was like, trying to listen to what he said, but I also think, uh, right when I came out of the boot, my left side was super weak. Um, so it was frustrating cause I was in the boot for close to eight weeks, but two of that was walking in it. Um, which as soon as I started, as soon as he gave me the okay to start biking and, uh, walking in the boot, I started like the pain went down so much. I started noticing a ton more blood flow to that area. And I was, mm. yeah, I should have been doing that sooner. Um, but, I mean, you know. I, that makes sense. Right. And like, that's, you'll, you'll hear that with lower leg injuries, the calcaneus one, like I said, it's not anything I've even really had to deal with or hear about. Cause it is just such an impact that running won't typically cause. Mm-hmm. So, so something has to happen. Like, like what happened to you? But for something even like with your Achilles, right? Like if you just rest it and do nothing like that, it typically doesn't make it better. It is about getting the blood flow and strengthening things like that. So, but it's hard because the doctors are going to want to be conservative. You know, yep. they, they want to make sure that they, they, they have to kind of meet, meet you where someone who wouldn't necessarily have like the discipline and work ethic of you would be, right? They don't know who you are, you know? So they're just like, well, take it easy and rest. It will play it safe. So during that time, I was just reading it's one of these one of these books about like mental training or something like that. And they were talking about injuries and how there's kind of like you can kind of go through like the stages of grief through it, like where you're actually just feeling like really down, really bummed out. And like there's like a bargaining piece and like an acceptance part. Like, did you have that? Did you go through this whole big part of it? Or was it immediately like, okay, I'm hurt. Like, what can I do to make myself better going forward? Or or were you like kind of down for a while? Um so after that first day of just kind of disbelief, um, I immediately was like, you know what, I'm going to show all these people, I'm going to show myself that I'm not going to let this take me back much. Um, so actually, I the next day, I went and got some crutches to borrow from a coworker who had a foot injury not too long ago. Um, so I didn't have to buy any. And then I borrowed my brother's old boot that he had from an ankle surgery a long time ago. And as soon as I got both of those, oh, and also borrowed some swim goggles from somebody. Cause I was like, I need mm-hmm. to start swimming. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had all those, I actually went on a hike in my boot for like <laughs> three miles and chafed I bet. The, my armpits so bad that I, it was so painful to have the crutches after that. I didn't even have them adjusted right, turns out. But um, like with elevation, like on an actual trail, I was out there on my crutches and there's people hiking and they're just looking at me like. <laughs> it's like, did you lost? <laughs> yeah, like what's wrong with this guy? And then I had, I was on a dirt road for part of it. 
and I was pretty far up there and there's like people coming by on side by sides every couple minutes. And they're like, do you need a ride down? Like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm here on purpose. (laughs) And I was just so determined to prove to myself that I didn't have to lose a ton of fitness because the doctor said no biking. And that's always been my lean back. Like Mm -hmm. I've always at least been able to bike. I hate swimming, but yeah, so I chafed pretty bad. Um, and, but I was like, at least I'm getting like some, my arms will be stronger out of this. So I started doing a ton of pull-ups, started doing a lot of core. And then after about a week and I even swam a few times in some lakes and after about a week, um, I tried hiking up another mountain, had a great time, but like chafed again pretty bad and just was were you using like body glide or like the squirrel's nut butter or you're just no raw dog and it just it just raw dog let's let's callous this up let's yeah. just see what, what we can do yeah not <laughs> not a smart way and i would say a week and a half to two weeks in is when i got covid and then got my wisdom teeth out right after and those both made me like not train for about two three weeks um it was hard for them to get my lower wisdom teeth out. So I was like, I was taking oxycodone for the first time in my life just to like be able to sleep. And then as soon as I hit the four hour window, I like would wake up in pain and then have to take another one. And it was like that for about a week and a half, which is longer than typical, I guess. Um, so it was just, it was after that, that I finally felt good enough to like, go do an upper body workout again and like go to the gym and I was climbing one footed. So I'd like put a climbing shoe on one foot and then have my boot just dangling. And then I was just climbing top rope. Uh, my girlfriend would blame me. So it was super nice to have her support. But I remember, uh, my girlfriend met me at a park cause I was still living out of my van. Um, mm. and I was just like, I don't feel like doing anything today. Like it's been so long since I've been able to train how I want. Like I don't, I don't want to go meet anybody and hang out with anyone. I I can't go to work. I can't go run. I don't even want to go climb. Like I don't want to do anything. Like I literally like hate myself for this, but I literally just want to sit here and feel sorry for myself basically. Um, she was like, she's, she's seen, but at that point we were a couple months into our relationship and she had seen like a lot of highs and lows. Um, but that was definitely like the lowest uh, she had seen me. And she was like, I think, I think it's pretty safe to say like, you're, you're pretty depressed. Like you need to, like, even though you don't feel like doing these things, you need to go out and at least be outside. Like you need to do this. Um, And I actually ended up having to, right after that, uh, my van broke down and ended up being in the shop for about a month and a half because they couldn't figure out what was going wrong with it. And uh, so then I was, that was right when I was allowed to start biking. So then I started biking everywhere. And I think my van breaking down actually helped because then like if I needed to go to the grocery store, if I needed to go to the climbing gym, um for training, I was finally allowed to put my cycling shoe on 
and go for rides. So I started out with like an hour. It was pretty achy. Then I'd do an hour and a half the next week. And then after it stopped aching, um, I think we're in September now. Then I finally was getting close to being like able to go back to work. And then, then I started climbing like crazy. Then I started going on like three, four hour rides on my mountain, mountain bike on the road. Um, which isn't my favorite thing, but I was right at the mouth of all the like cottonwood canyons. And so beautiful canyons in Salt Lake. Um, so I just started riding a ton and, uh, I would ride 20 miles to my PT appointment, do my PT run on the treadmill and then ride 20 miles back to where I was staying. And like, it was just, a. that's, that's when I started to like come around and be like, okay, mm-hmm. this, this isn't hopeless. Again. Yeah. I'm, I'm like training again. I can feel it getting better. Um, every time I'd go in and check in with the doctor and he'd tell me I couldn't run or like I started running weeks before he told me to on the treadmill. And my PT was like, Hey, when you go in for your next checkup, like don't tell him cause I know how he is. Like, don't tell him that you're already running on the treadmill, but you're not in pain. So you're fine. Mm-hmm. So once I started being able to do that, I, I felt much better. And then, uh, I think it was, only 11 weeks. It was, it was pretty quick, my return to work. So then I got to go back to work. Um, and that was massive for me to like, be able to do something I love again. So, so it sounds like you did have a little bit of that. It sounds like you almost kind of like forced it. You're like, no, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay fit. And then eventually kind of caught up to you yeah. to a point where it's like, all right, now, now like, there are these other factors that are weighing me down. I really just don't want to do all this stuff and, and feeling sorry for yourself, I think is a part of it. And I think that that's okay just to, to have that little bit of just, because it's a, it's like an emotion that you're, you're feeling, you know, instead of like trying to block it out all the time, like it, it will eventually catch up. And it seems like that's what happened. But when it came around to the, to the process of get of training again, your, your fitness seems to come around pretty well. Like you race, well already one time this season. So that's pretty cool that you're able to to put in that type of work. If you were, if you were to look back and tell yourself and like talk to yourself in August or whenever you're kind of in the thick of it, like what kind of advice do you think you give yourself? Like, what would you do different? Um, honestly, I would, I would look for, something away from the sport that I could focus on more. So for me that, that ended up being like starting to look for a house, getting all of my, all of my things in order. But also, um, I started challenging myself to read a certain amount every day. Um, and then spend time in the Bible for about an hour each day. Um, and then spend another hour in prayer and meditation. Cause a lot of people, when they get injured, they still have their job to fall back on. I was on short-term disability, so literally like seven days a week outside of my doctor's appointments, I was like filling time. Mm. And that is so much time. And I hate watching TV and watching movies because I feel like I'm wasting my life. <laughs> um, 
Unless I'm with someone like I'll, I'll like last right, there's night purpose for that as well. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. last night I watched, uh, like tangled with my girlfriend cause she hadn't seen it. So we were watching that. So like, I'm okay with that. But, um, just by myself, I was like everybody else, like my family, they were all at work or, uh, like my girlfriend's at work. I'm sitting there like not doing anything. So immediately I was like, okay, well, I can do the assault bike in my boot uh, at a certain point. So I started doing that in my boot um, and that sped up the recovery a lot, I think, just having that movement. And then I started like trying to spend an hour in prayer and meditation each day, an hour like in the word of God and like the Bible, uh, at least an hour of reading some sort of self-help book. Hmm. Um, and then other time I spent on projects like writing training plans, um, and on things like editing videos, because I like to create video uh, content. Mm -hmm. And then just to tell stories, like I really like to, to inspire people to get outside, honestly. I watched your, uh, the one you have on your IG, the, the trip that you went on. Mm -hmm. um, and the editing is solid, man. Thank you. It's rock solid. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, like, yeah, taking away from the physical, right? And like, I, from what I understand, you've been an athlete for a long time mm -hmm. and I've been the same way. Right. So I worry about this stuff as well. It's like when I need to not be like, have to express myself physically, like what's that going to be like? Like, how am I going to feel like satisfied and like stimulated if the physical part goes away? Cause eventually it's going to, right? Like yeah. you got hit with something unexpected for a short amount of time, but at, at a certain point, uh, there's going to be a time where we're not going to be able to just express ourselves physically. So it's kind of cool. You had a chance to get into the, the mental side of stuff. Did that feel like it took discipline to do? Cause it sounded like it was a lot like big chunks of time, like mentally immersing yourself in things. Did, was it exhausting? <laughs> like to me, that sounds tiring. Um, a little bit, but it also gave me hope that I was still growing as a person. Cause when mm -hmm. I feel I have a hard time, disassociating my fitness with who I am as a person, which has been a huge problem in my life. And I think a lot of athletes struggle with it, but I, I have a huge problem with continuing to tie up like my self-worth as a person with who I am as an athlete. And I've struggled with that, honestly, my whole life. Um, and it's a continual struggle. Like I feel like there's certain things in life that you continue to struggle with and you have to continue to remind yourself. So for me, it's realizing that my physical job and my physical, uh, not appearance, but athletic ability sure. isn't Which are tied. who Rylan is. So um, it used to be physical appearance too, for sure. Like if I didn't, when I was cycling, I was constantly trying to look smaller and to like be leaner and so I could have a better power to weight ratio. And I look at all these guys who are at the top of the sport and they, their, their stature was just so much smaller than me. Um, so I continued to cut calories, cut calories. I remember like recovery days, I'd ride for an hour and a half, two hours at a certain heart rate, which still would burn a thousand to 1200 calories for me. But then I would only be eating like 2,500 calories that day when I was burning close to three and a half on a recovery mm -hmm. day. And I was like, 
I didn't really realize it, but I was in, I was constantly in like a thousand to 1500 calorie deficit. And I like shot my metabolism for a little while. So it's too, it's it's like, like you could probably sustain a thousand for, I don't know, eight weeks or so. Yeah. And even then it's pretty, it's pretty big deficit there. Did, was there a point where did you start gaining weight at a, at a certain point after that? Like I've found that's what, like when, or it can result in like, uh, like binging, right? Like when it's so low all the time. That's what How happened. How did you find out that that was, yeah, is that yes. how you found out? Yeah. So I, I showed up to, uh, nationals with the best power to weight ratio I'd ever had. I weighed 158 pounds at that point, same height that I am now. I was six foot. Um, so I was small upper body. My legs were about as big as they are now, but like my upper body was 20, 25 pounds less than it is now. How, what was the weight you said? 158, 157. 158. Yeah. Um, and I weighed myself every day, multiple times a day to like, make sure it was going down and I tracked it in like training peaks and, um, I showed up, I had a great, I was starting to like get that when you're not eating enough, you have that period where you still are able to perform really well. And then you start to have this period where you have some good performances and some really bad. And the good ones still make you think like, Oh, okay. Like if I get lighter, I can do better. But then you start having those bad ones where you just feel off and like weak. So I didn't realize it yet, but I showed up to nationals, luckily had like a really good day where I felt good on the the main event. And I was on uh I was on track to hit my goal of the season. Um I really wanted a top ten, preferably a top five finish to get me to Europe to race like worlds or something. And I got a flat the last lap and dropped like four or five spots. Um, Not enough to get me like anywhere. And the next day I crashed out a short track. So I remember being in the airport. I felt like the whole season was a waste. I was just so frustrated and I was so hungry. And I finally just snapped and I like spent so much money on the worst food in the airport. And... (laughs) literally like weighed myself when I got back home. Like I got scared on the plane cause my legs swelled up so much from all of the, like the sugar and the salt that I had just binged on mm-hmm. that I legit was scared that something like I had heard of deep vein thrombosis happening to athletes. Uh-huh. I was like, I wonder what's going on right now. Cause, and then I weighed myself when I got home and I was like 12, 13 pounds heavier <laughs> than I was when I left and I was, it was scary. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm not going to eat for like a day just to kind of clear everything out of my system. And that's what started it. So I would like not eat for a day, binge, not eat for a day and a half, mm, binge, mm. just boom, boom, would boom. Would you, would you see the scale regulate? Cause that, that can, that can kind of work, happen, right? Like it goes up and then if you don't eat for a long time, like it comes back down. Like, oh, this is working. No, at that, at that point, my metabolism was so shot that I actually gained 20 pounds in like a month. So, um, and at that point I didn't love racing anymore. I was like so scared to let it go, but I hated riding my bike because I just felt fat when I was on my bike. Um, I felt like I wasn't climbing well. And then I, I started a fire Academy to get into my career And that was pretty intensive. Um, And I was also working part-time. So my time was pretty crunched. Mm 
And I remember just like being the time I had to study. I spent like, this is why I hate watching TV shows is because I spent like so much time in the basement I was renting, like binge watching shows while I was binging on like sugary foods and just like making myself feel terrible. Mm. And then I would kill all my time to go train because I didn't want to ultimately. And then I would kill all my time outside of work and outside of class to the point where I had to like cram to study. Mm. And it it was just like a, it was a really dark point in my life. And that's what kind of took me, that ultimately is like what took me away from cycling. Cause I, the reason I kept binging was cause like I have to starve myself in order to be a good cyclist. And I wanted to be a professional athlete like my whole life. And I was a professional cyclist. Um, and I was like, I want to be able to make a living off this. So I have to weigh less. And I was, the scale kept going up and up and I was just like in this complete lockdown. And then finally after like, I think it was, so nationals was at the end of July that December or January, I went to Ecuador for three months and finally just like had to let go. And just like, I started running instead. Um, I just biked everywhere in Ecuador because uh, I didn't have a car. And just like for three months, I kind of just like, yeah. And I didn't have the same foods that I would binge on. I spent mm-hmm. like three months after my fire academy just like completely rewiring a lot in my brain. Um, it's like a cleanse. Yeah, you it was like get a, out of here. It was it was like complete step out of your environment, plant yourself somewhere else, and it worked out a lot. So it was, I'm very thankful for that time. That's a cool way to do. It. I mean, because three months is enough time, right? Like if you went for like two weeks or something, yeah. you probably would have, you wouldn't been able to undo like the patterns that have been wired in. So when you think about that time, I mean, it all it seems like a lot of it relates back to how well you want to perform and, and the performance tying to your, who you are as a person. Right. And like that can then manifest in the way you want to look. And then that manifests in like how you, the foods that you're eating or not eating, but then with the, the parts where you're, you're kind of like wasting time and just like not doing the things that you feel like you should have been doing to help pro- progress your life. Do you find that those two were connected because that you weren't feeling confident as a person? Cause you're, you're, weight wasn't where you wanted to be. So your performance wasn't where you wanted to be. So it kind of like skewed everything or like, why do you think that those other habits kind of popped up? Uh, I think it, it was, I was just unhappy with myself. Um, I was, it's like that. I think a lot of people will understand this when you, that zone where you know why you aren't unhappy with yourself, you know why you're unhappy but the very things that make you unhappy are your coping mechanisms to like feel better about yourself. So for me, I went to food and basically just shutting my brain off by watching something or scrolling Uh through social media, which also makes you feel worse. It's like waste, like top three things that make me feel the worst, wasting time, not prioritizing my spiritual life and eating terrible food, getting terrible sleep. All of those things happen when you're wasting time watching TV and movies for hours on end, eating terrible food, and then you feel like shit. And when you feel like shit, then you're just like... Circles. Circle. 
And then yeah. you get bad sleep because you're eating poorly and you're watching and you're not tired because your body hasn't been working at all. You've been sitting in bed and it's just like this terrible cycle. Um, so yeah, I was stuck there for a, a while and thankfully I had a job that made me get outside and class that made me like leave the house. True. So. And yeah, that, that was probably pretty demanding on that. Yeah. I, I've, I have a similar story with that, with running. My, my main coping was drinking though, which okay. is like also same kind of thing. It would be poor, poor sleep because of it. And then just feeling bad, shutting the brain off with drinking as opposed to food, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I almost like wouldn't eat, but would drink. So they're just different vices, right? And people have them all in different, in different places. But yeah, I've, I've definitely been in that moment as well. And, and, and I feel the same way about TV. <laughs> like we don't yeah. have, we don't have TV now for same, same stuff. Like video games I used to be just addicted to, I would just sit there and just play and just like drink beer and that would be it. Um, so I can't have any of that stuff around screen time, same way. Uh, I'm starting to come around to the, to TV and stuff though. Like, cause I find that there is purpose. You know, like there could be like restoration stuff and, and relaxation things. You Are you trying to introduce those things back in or is it hard, hard lines with like junk food, hard lines with TV and stuff for you now? Um, actually, so I apologize if I came off like I never eat uh, junk food anymore. A big part of me understanding how to move past binge eating was actually becoming okay with having mm -hmm. the occasional junk food and at first it was way more than it is now like when i was in ecuador i i'd be on a big ride on my bike just enjoying the country and not getting run over by the crazy traffic you know like you're pretty focused when you're on the roads there and i would stop at the pan and just munch on whatever bread because it was like 15 cents for a pastry so i'd get like five pastries and that'd be my four or five hour ride fuel and so like being okay with, with eating that helped a lot. And then peanut butter was another huge thing. Um, and like, just for me, what ultimately worked was as soon as my brain understood that I didn't have to freak out when I ate something, mm -hmm. then I didn't feel the need to binge on it as much because it wasn't like, this is going to be my last time. Uh, I see. So it wasn't like a last supper principle where you're yeah. like, okay, this is the last time I got to go all in. I'm going to eat this whole box of cereal because cereal was diet starts like, tomorrow. Yep. Right. Diet starts tomorrow. Yeah. So I was stuck in that for so long that eventually like, obviously I I've had a lot of setbacks. Um, but eventually like I got to the point where I felt okay with being heavier um, cause I stepped away from cycling and I started running a little bit instead. I cross trained a ton. I did a lot of like firefighter type stuff and I just needed food. So I just, I stopped caring. Uh, once I stepped away from cycling, I stopped caring as much about my being skinny essentially. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's why I would never go to road running or anything like that because, being super small is important in that too. So that's why that's ultimately why I came to obstacle course racing and functional fitness type stuff is because I know that losing weight for me, I might be able to do it now, but like a year or two ago when I first started running, like not a question, not healthy for me. Like I need a sport where 
I can be strong and my body naturally sits at a certain weight. It's usually like 175 to 185 and like that's where I feel healthy and if I like I can run really well anywhere mm. in that range and I'm learning that I can run better and for me it's more like okay, I'm in a sport that requires me to be strong but also requires me to be fast and I love that so I want to stay and it's like it doesn't trigger me as much because yes, I want to be fitter. Um, but also it's not triggering me to like lose weight. So mm. I'm actually super excited right now. I'm doing a thing called 75 hard with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, it's yeah, awesome. Just explain that real quick. I think a lot of people are familiar, but, yeah. uh, it's pretty, but like there's a bunch of parts to it, right? Yep. <laughs> so, uh, we, we like picked our own, specifically so the the standard 75 hard from what i remembered is no porn no alcohol no uh at least a gallon of water a day read at least 10 pages exercise twice for 40 minutes one of them supposed to be outside. outside right yeah yep um uh pick a diet and stick to it um, you're supposed to take a progress photo at the beginning and at the end, or I think some people take them every day, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so what we picked was, um, like the standard ones, but for our diet, I was just like, you know what? I've actually never been able to get through an extended period of time without, since my binge eating disorder without like added sugar cause it's always crept back up. But I was like, I think I'm in a healthy enough place now to where if I had the support, I think that I could actually like prove to myself that I can do this. Um, mm. and so I'm really thankful for my girlfriend doing it with me cause that's helped a lot. But like, I think we're on day 40, 45 and, uh, there's been like a super minuscule amount of added sugar in the last 45 days and my inflammation's gone down. Hers has gone down. Um, it's so it's like honestly been really nice. Did, do you feel better like mentally from? No I do sugar, wake up physical? quicker. I still wake mm -hmm. up slow because I uh, because of my work schedule. I when I'm at work, I wake up really fast, so I get every scrap of sleep I can when I'm off work. And for a while, I, I was really struggling with sleep, um, but I actually have started taking. Um, magnesium before bed that definitely makes me dream more vivid but I think the real difference is uh, this company called MetLife reached out to me and they gave me some like tincture they have broad spectrum and full spectrum and then they also gave me some like soft gels and the soft gels knock me or out CBD. Yeah, they're like a CBD soft gel and they are one of the, the few things that I can definitively say like that has helped my sleep. That in like a sleep routine and then this, uh, I'm trying this, this uh, Shilajit is what it's called. Hobby Call started a company um, and it's like basically minerals harvested from a rock from, because uh, as the like plant decays in the rock, if it's not washed away by water, if it's in a spot that's protected from water, all these minerals we've lost in the soil over centuries and millennia are stuck 
in the rock so and if concentrate. you can yeah so if you can harvest it and then purify it to a like a drinkable substance you mix it with water you drink it and you get a lot of like these minerals that we don't have anymore and it's supposed to help you absorb nutrients from food so i'm actually trying that as well in my sleep that with the soft gels um and a sleep routine with like blue blue light glasses and like journaling and reading before bed my sleep is night and day difference than a month ago like so hmm. much better so nice so it's, it seems to be like a little byproduct of the 75 hard that you kind of put put in yeah. place yeah which is uh huge yeah you know that's one of those things in terms of performance that and when i think about it too when i was kind of going through the same type of ups and downs that you were doing you were having with like focusing on only body weight right where there's all these other factors that i was just neglecting Yep. And, you know, potentially could have performed as well with a healthy body weight if I was just doing all the other things instead of just like focusing on just this one area and just like really killing myself about not succeeding in. Um, so that's cool. That you're kind of picking up these other things. The 70, yeah. 75 hard is a cool concept because, I mean, like if you do anything consistently for 75 days, like you're probably going to see some sort of result from it. So it's just yeah. like a timeline that just kind of works, but it makes it harder, right? It's yeah. not like a, it's not like a get, get fit quick type of thing. It is work. So yeah. it's a pretty and cool lesson there. Like I've already noticed, like the sleep thing is big. Um, but also I've really noticed I'm getting leaner for sure. Like the no added sugar. Um, I've always known that it causes inflammation in my body which is why I feel so crappy when I eat a lot of sugar, mm -hmm. um, at least refined sugar. That's different than fruit for me because um, I still eat a ton of fruit. But for sure. um, I've noticed the inflammation has gone down. And with that, like my weight has gone down. And then also like I can see it in my face. I can see it everywhere. Like even my girlfriend said like a week ago, she's like, you've gotten quite a bit leaner. Um, and which I'm like, Oh, you know, thanks babe. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, when, when you do anything consistently, that's helpful to you and healthy, you will see results. It just takes time. So yeah, I think it's cool. So how did you, how did OCR come into your, and I, it makes complete sense. And I think that that is a really good avenue for people that are just like, you know what, screw all these other sports that have the stigma of like how you're supposed to look and all the athletes who are doing the best look a specific way. Um, like, let me just go in there, be like, look how I look, train how I want to train, be strong, be fast. Like that's, I think is the major appeal of OCR and of like, you know, like the hybrid space, like DecaFit, high rock stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so where, how did you, when did Spartan Race first come onto your radar? Uh, it was actually right after um, that n terrible nationals race. I was like, I want to do one of these. Cause I was, Which ones? Uh, oh, sorry, not Spartan, sorry. Um, when I had my flat and then I crashed out oh, I of yeah, yeah, okay. uh, mountain bike nationals in West Virginia. Um, I think a few months later, I was like, oh, I want to try a Spartan race. So I went and did one for fun. Uh, well, kind of for fun. I don't really do anything just for fun. I competed totally. <laughs> uh, like, I don't remember what year that was. It was a while ago uh, with my little brother in, I think it was in like, it was in Arizona. 
but I like I didn't do very well. I was still a cyclist build. I could barely like make it across the monkey bars, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So you did, did some burpees that day? Yeah, I did like 90 or 120. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Basically, like... I couldn't do any of the obstacles that required upper body strength. Um, hmm. So I did that with my little brother. It was like a cool thing to just step away from mountain biking and like try something else. Um, but like it, I definitely was not good at it. Um, and then I tried to do mountain biking the next year after Ecuador to like see if I had healed enough and kind of started slipping back into the binge eating disorder. And I think that was 2019, um, uh, slash 2020 season. And after that I got a fire job and I was like, I can't keep doing this mountain biking thing. So naturally after a couple months or more like a couple weeks, I'm like, okay, what's the next sport that I'm going to focus on? And I started looking at, uh, like Hunter McIntyre, Kent, Ryan Kent, um, Mm -hmm. Isaiah Vidal, like kind of the bigger athletes in the field. And I was like, these guys are bigger than I am. Like, and they can move. And I actually, I've never actually met Ryan Kent. Um, I've talked with him a little bit on social media. I don't even know if he knows who I am, but, uh, I've always been really inspired by him in particular because he works like I do. Mm -hmm. Like he has a, another job and then he, like he's on a grind and then he has a family, like he has to take time for his family life too. And I'm sure he's got other stuff going on as well. And he's still crushing it. And like this season, it's been so cool to see him do well, even though I don't really know the guy just because I'm like, that guy is grinding and he's doing well. And like, I want to be like that. Like I want to, I, I want to be able to be good at my job, be good in my family life and to be good at my sport. So when I started seeing like the different body uh, physiques in the sport of OCR, I was like, man, you can have a huge variety here. And Mm -hmm. basically like you pick your event that you want to specialize in and you can be good at all of it or specialize in one area. And like, I, I had no idea that there were people that ran 15 minute five K's at 180 pounds. I was like, that is legit. Like I want to be one of those guys. So that's when I started, I think it was 2020. I started training for, uh, like more diverse just for fun. So I would like, I would mountain bike. I would do like maybe 15, 20 miles a week of trail running, which was a lot for me at the time. Um, I'd do hike and flies, so I'd hike up the mountain and then fly off with my speed wing, and then I was climbing a lot, so it was just like this, usually I'd do three or four sports a day on my days off, and then I'd go into work, do gym work, uh, like run all my calls, do the reports, do all the work stuff, and do uh, like firefighter-specific fitness, and then I'd come off work for my four days off and just like do my my sport days where I just do whatever. Um, I do a little bit of backcountry skiing too. Hmm. Um so depending on the time of year, like I get different sports and, uh, 2020 Spartan didn't happen. There weren't really any races cause of COVID. So I didn't race and I had some IT band issues a lot that, that year. So I took like a month off here, a month off there. Um, and yeah, eventually like I finally started, uh, after it was basically after that Arizona race, I was like, Oh, maybe if I focus on running, 
Like I wasn't super far off Kirk and VJ. Like mm-hmm. maybe if I focus on running, I could, I could actually be okay at this. Um, and mountains are my favorite thing, like hiking up and down and running up and down trails are literally my favorite thing. So I saw that there was a big race in Utah. So I naturally started training for that. I hit Montana, um, because I figured that would be, that was my first beast. That was actually my longest run. Uh, I, I think period that day I had run 12 miles to make sure that I could do like a half marathon. <laughs> Your body could handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, but with half the vert, like the week before, but I was, I ha- like, I've always kind of struggled with soft tissue stuff because, uh, my engine is really big from biking, but my tendons and ligaments haven't built themselves up yet. So True. I'm constantly, yeah. I'm constantly like, okay, more gas back off the throttle, more gas back off the throttle. Cause I keep I'll either flare up an injury or I'll like feel it and have to be like, okay, maybe dial it back a couple miles this week. So, yeah, which it's getting more. Yeah. Like before, before SoCal, I had done like two or three of my first 50 mile weeks ever. Nice. Like I'd never run anywhere above 40. Um, when I hit Utah last year, I think I was like 30 to 35 average. So I had built up and then I had my injury and then I've slowly been building from there. And honestly, I've gotten a little aggressive and need to back it off a little bit because my body is starting to, to hate me for the, the 50 miles. I don't think I'm ready yet. Right. When like 50 is really running, right? Like you yeah. can't just fake 50 miles and you, yeah. you can do like a 30 mile week, almost like on accident. Be like, Oh, huh. I'm at 30. Yep. But it sounds like you're doing a lot of volume outside of it are you do you track your volume uh you i know it seems like you are someone who in the past has been pretty meticulous in terms of like the the measurements and looking back and and making sure that these metrics are in a place and i think biking i don't know much about mountain biking honestly but i think just biking in general kind of facilitates that type of training as well it's like very volume based and power and like there's like you can really be very specific on things so like what's like your total volume looking like with all the stuff that you're doing not just like running Um, so it varies week to week right now. I'm backing off the running, uh, and increasing volume on my bike because I've note, I actually had kind of like a bad chiropractic adjustment slash I've been running a lot. And I think going to the chiropractor and getting adjusted, I think it, uh, flared up something the way that something got pulled, Hmm. uh, so I'm backing off running volume right now, um, and focusing more on mountain biking and then, uh, just road biking and creating more volume and endurance through that. And then working on speed work, uh, cause the first two races of the elite series are supers. Mm-hmm. And to me, anything less than like an hour and a half is a really short race. So even like you're biking, right? Like, were you more in cross country mountain biking. Yeah. And those are pretty long. The, They're about an like hour and a half. Minutes? Yeah. An hour and a half. So like an hour, an hour to two hours is kind of bread and butter for me. Um, I am getting better at the shorter end stuff. Uh, I think SoCal's sprint kind of confirmed that for me that my, uh, my flat running is getting better. And then my, like being able to gauge my effort while running is getting 
better. Whereas right. when I'm when I'm in a mountain race, like I can pound an uphill and then I can recover on the downhill. And that's basically what mountain biking was for me was you drill the uphill as much as you think you can drill it each lap and then you have the descent to recover. So although running isn't as much of a recovery on the descent, to me it's still like like my, my legs can handle the downhill pretty well. So um, I get my heart rate comes down pretty significantly when I'm descending and then I can drill it again on a climb and I feel pretty good. Um, so like on a flat course, it's a different game for me. And when it's a shorter race on top of that, it's like, okay, like how, how do I gauge this effort typing? That'll be interesting for you. It's slow. Cause that the way I understand that course to be is rolling. Like there's hills, oh, okay. but it's not like, like Utah is a perfect example for what you did. It's like a, a big climb, a descent, a massive climb, a massive descent. Like yeah. I think slow is going to be like, I think you're going to gain 1300 or so over the course of a super, which isn't flat, but I think it's going to be a lot of like, yeah, kind of rolling stuff. So yeah. that'll be an interesting way to see how, yeah, to like to know where your body and where your energy is. Yeah. It seems like that might be a little bit more like sustained. Yeah. It seems like. Which I mean, it's definitely changing. I've, uh, because I saw that the, some of the races were supers this year, I've definitely started working on honestly, just more running in general, like just mm -hmm. running more has started making my body adapt to running faster, way oh, yeah. quicker than I ever thought. Like I had no idea that my heart rate could stay the same and my pace could be a minute per mile quicker in like literally within a month of each other. I had two different runs, exact same run, almost like same elevation, same trails. I have like a pretty standard 14 mile loop and it was, it was crazy. Like obviously there's caffeine intake that can influence that and sleep and recovery Weather, and everything. Yeah. But my heart rate was like within three beats per minute, but it, instead of a seven, cause there's a fair amount of elevation instead of like a seven fifty pace, it was a six fifty pace and wow. I felt just as good. And I was 14. like, it was literally a month apart. And I was like, this is crazy how just like running more and doing a little bit of like neuromuscular work, not even any threshold or VO two work very often. It's like crazy yeah. how, how your body adapts to things. I think it's a good lesson. So it's not always about like hammering speed work. Cause I feel like when athletes are coming into running, who might not even have like an endurance background like you have, like you have a pretty vast mm. uh, background in just like capacity work. People just want to go hard, right? It's like, well, if I'm going to get faster, I need to run as fast as I want to be. But so it's cool to hear that you're seeing those gains just by running, just by doing more, <laughs> just yeah. being like frequency even. Um, do you even care about like what you're, running times are or do you just use metrics that are uh like what you like based off of a previous performance like do you care what your 5k is uh i don't think i've timed a 5k since i think i tried one in 2020 and it was like 18 minutes and i was like dude i just ran like a sub 18 5k <laughs> and i i was like so pumped <laughs> i was so pumped with myself and then i found out that like these guys are running 15 or less 5k's <laughs> so to be honest like uh i i didn't even time my mile until like last last february or january and 
when it was like when I started running more consistently and I had, I had run a five flat mile before that, but I had never gone under five and I really had no idea. And I, I think last February I did like a 447 and I was like, that is nice. fast for me. Mm-hmm. And cause like, I'm not, I've never run track. I've never run cross country. Um, I've hardly run period compared to a lot of guys. And, uh, I was like super stoked on it. And then I hear like people on uh, the running public podcast or at races talking about their mile times. And I'm like, wow, I'm slow. Like I really got (laughs) to work on this. So, so it's been, uh, I haven't timed my 5k or a mile in a long time. And I think part of that is because I know I'm coming back from injury. Mm. And I, although I know I am probably faster than I was last July, just because of, my comfort running I still don't want to do that to myself mentally yet where I'm like okay I'm gonna see if I'm actually better because to be honest like I'd much rather show up to a race and just be like you know what God show me like show me what I got today uh if you want to give me a good race cool if not I'll learn and I'm just gonna leave it all out there and that's kind of how I race so if if I can run a sub 15 5k, that's awesome. But also there's that aspect of me not knowing that I'm kind of like, I'm going to show up to a race and just lay it all out there and see what I got. So, yeah, cause yeah. it really doesn't, I don't think it matters that much. And yeah. it, it's, it's a metric that is so widely used and it's just something that's familiar to people. Right. Mm-hmm. But it also takes specific training to get better at a 5k like you'll you'll naturally get a little bit better like you run a little bit more but you're never going to like maximize your potential at a 5k unless you're doing like a 12 week block of 5k training yeah. which doesn't translate to to ocr to the trails to any to the mountains really i don't think so yeah yeah i would say don't even do it yeah. <laughs> don't even worry about it i do i do have like a very structured plan and i uh like volume wise i try and be above like 10 hours of endurance work per week. Mm -hmm. I don't track my climbing because climbing for me is, uh, actually the first sport I got into that I could enjoy and not worry about being good at it. Um, are you talking about vert or are you talking about no, like uh, like rock climbing? climbing. Sorry. Yeah. Rock climbing because I've always been someone I get into a sport. I want to be the best at it. I'm usually, I'm pretty much never the best, which then I'm like constantly trying to get better rock climbing. I, I just show up and it's me versus me and I've never competed in it. I'm probably, I honestly will probably never compete in rock climbing because for me, it's just like, it's almost like this sacred space where I can just hang out with people and get stronger. And it's amazing on your core. It's amazing on your grip, your upper body, everything. Uh, and like, honestly, when I'm bouldering, I either meet new people or I hang out with friends or my girlfriend, or if I'm just by myself, like I can pray in between, like I can spend some time meditating, I stretch and it's just like, it's an untracked time. There's, Mm -hmm. I think there's an importance in, uh, when you're training to have unstructured training and climbing is huge for me in that. Like, I don't care what it is. I'm like, I'm not going to track my routes, anything like I'm not going to try and hit a certain amount. It's auto. It's all about how I feel that day and just trying to be better than yesterday type thing. So 
It's funny you say that. I, I felt I felt the exact same way about rock climbing. I just went. Mm. I was like, you know what? And I, like, because I'll usually I'll get a book. I'll read how to get better. Uh-huh. I'll like put myself on a program. And I was like, you know what? It's not going to happen here for this. Let's just try to chill out. <laughs> just That's enjoy. awesome. And I think that is more of like that, like what that sports mentality is in general, right? Like, it's not. I mean, there's definitely a competitive aspect of it, but it's, I think most people get into it just enjoy it. So, to be able to do it. So yeah. I like that you're not tracking that, not counting it as training. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. And it just, and it just helps, especially for OCR. It helps so much. Yep. Um, so what are your, what are your goals this year? Are you going to do the national series? Yeah. Lord willing, like as long as I don't have any injuries around that, uh, I plan on doing the whole series if I can. Um, Canada is looking kind of iffy on both races cause it's Canada. So we'll see mm-hmm. if those happen, but at right. least the first four I'm planning on. Um, and then hopefully North American championships happens and I can get there. But, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I don't really, I'm trying to do better at saying like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this no matter what. Cause for me, like only God knows, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be healthy. You really never know in life. So for me, it's like, I'm going to train to be as fit as I can be. And for me, like, that's more of a long-term goal. Cause I realize I'm new to this sport. Um, although I've had some early success, uh, which I'm not exactly sure why in a lot of ways, because I don't have the background that some guys do in running, but, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, like that, that I think has a lot to do with like, I've asked God to put uh, something in my life that I can focus on that he wants me to be a light in. And I think that OCR could be that. Uh, but for me, it's more like I am more on a long-term plan. So hmm. like it might be next year or the year after that, where I really start to get into my groove and I can handle more mileage. I can handle better workouts. Um, and until then I'm just going to focus on building towards that. And so like listening to my body and slowly increasing my mileage, hitting my quality sessions. And as I get more used to uh, running, increasing the duration or the intensity of my quality sessions. Um, but the, the intensity is there, um, especially now that I'm starting to hit some threshold workouts as we get closer to race season. Like the intensity is there. Like I, I'll hit a workout and I'll be tired, but a lot of my running workouts, I'm like, I could do more. And it's really hard for me because my engine can handle more, but it's like, I've got to be careful because I keep re-injuring things or like flaring something up because I want to stack more miles, but my body can't handle it yet. So yeah. Yeah, structurally, you're going to need some time for that, which is yeah. important to have that long-term perspective mm-hmm. uh, and not chase, not be like, oh, well, I want to win slow. I want to win Big Bear this year and do whatever. Um, and you mentioned earlier, and I mean, like, do you feel like you've been able to, to successfully separate the results from the person? Or like, and having this long-term approach, I, I've done something similar in my practice where I've done that, like, okay, I'm not worried about this race, this race, this race. It's like how, uh, how I'm going to be able to stack together training for periods of, you know, two or three years. Mm-hmm. Right. And I felt like that's helped me really not worry so much about the result. 
and therefore I don't get so wrapped up into it and how it like what it means to who I am as a person. So was there a strategy that you took to to kind of separate the, the two things? Uh, I'm still learning, to be honest with you. Uh, pretty much every time I have an injury or a setback, I go into like a questioning phase as to like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing in life? Like, you know, is this something that God wants for me? Is this something that uh, makes me a more uh, Christ-like person? Or is it something that like takes away from life? Or am I like giving other people life through this? Because um, there was, I was listening to, a, I think it was a Rich Roll podcast and he was talking to a, an endurance runner who had gotten really sick. Um, I think it was cancer. Um, and basically this runner, i uh, pretty sure his name's Tommy. I'm killing myself cause I'm sure everybody <laughs> listening knows this runner. Um, but basically he said, if I get to my, the end of my life and all I can say is I was fast, it's a pretty worthless life is essentially what he said. Like to me, and I struggle with that. Like that's, that's me. It's like, I, I always want to do things fast. Like I, the reason I got into firefighting is because speed is important. And like, I love the rush of like, okay, I got to do this fast and this fast and this fast. And like, we got to get here, here and here. And I love that. And that's why I loved soccer. Cause it's like a quick mental game. Like you have to you have to run and like move through the field quickly. But when I was growing up, I liked soccer the most because it was like a mental game where you quickly had to make decisions, but you also had to do it with your body. And then mountain biking, like you're making all these calculations about line choice and Mm -hmm. effort level. And it's not just like running around a track. It's like, okay, that rocks there, that tree, that rock, that corner, there's like an off camber. This one's, this one's got a bank to it so I can hit it faster. It's like all these it's constantly going through your mind quickly and you're riding fast because you're always trying to go faster. And then OCR is like the same way you're worried about line choice, racing other people at the same time. Mm-hmm. So like to me, everything's about uh, like I enjoy f- things being fast. Um, so it's like if, if I, if I don't feel like I am as fast as I should be, it's hard for me to find value in that if I don't feel like I'm as good as I should be at something. So the having a long-term perspective and not caring about a result at each race is really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So like I still want to show up to slow and big bear and absolutely crush it. But also I'm trying to remind myself like, okay, you've been running for about a year now consistently. And of that year, you weren't running for about three, three and a half months. Mm -hmm. So like you haven't been focusing on this for very long. You should be patient. So maybe instead of picking slow as like an A race, because I categorize my races as like peak event, which is an A race. Um, and then there's like a one single race of the year or is it two, two? I can usually handle two or three peaks in a year. Um, mm-hmm. as long as they're spaced far enough apart. Yeah. Um, celebrated by the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I usually take a training approach. That's like you pick a couple A races, maybe two, maybe three, if they're spaced far enough apart and you do, or personally I've found, 
like a eight week build block and then like base before that is typically a good way for me to do it. But in my base phase, I usually still sprinkle some intensity in there so that I don't lose the neuromuscular ability. Um, and then through my build phase, that's like my, that's where I get faster and fitter usually. And then my peak is actually where I lose some fitness, but I'm so fresh that it, it, you know, takes that away. So, so for me, like, uh, I'm, because I know I need more time, I am trying to focus on worlds because it's in November and then also on the next year. So For hopefully, OCR, WC? Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I do want to go there as well, but Spartan Worlds is later. I think it's is in that, November. Is it Dece- oh, it's late November. I thought it was December yeah. again. So Abu Dhabi still? Yeah. So I think I'm going to try and focus on Abu Dhabi and then also like the later half of the season. Um, yeah. That being said, though, I'm still like I'm still wanting to show up and come out swinging in the the elite series because mm-hmm. that's just who I am. So I'm just trying to keep in mind, like, okay, Ryland, like, if you don't have if you don't win this race, just realize you still have a lot left on your growth curve, and you can calm down and not kill yourself. Like, it's it's going to be okay. Like, you should be patient with yourself. For me, it's more about showing up to the race, being able to say, I gave it everything I had. Right. Taking a learning experience from it. So, uh, like, when I raced Hawk uh, in SoCal, I learned I need to be faster in Olympus. He did Olympus faster than me, and I was like, boom, need to work on that. So, I'm, like, trying to spend time and learn how to work on that specific obstacle. And then also, um, like I learned that jumping can save you a ton of time in an OCR race if you have a better vert. So I was like, I want my vert to be better. And that's a really good, like strength training is a really good way to prevent injury, Mm -hmm. but also build your vert too. So like there's different ways you can do strength training to build your vertical. And if, if I can jump higher, there's a lot of obstacles that I can get over way quicker than other people just because of my Less height effort. advantage. Yep. And then also mm-hmm. just, you can, you don't have to use a lot of the bottom holds. So it's, it's like interesting how each race I show up to, I learn so much cause I'm so new to it and it's really awesome because there's constant improvement that can happen outside of just running faster. There's, so endless ways to screw it up in OCR, you know, there's so yeah. many mistakes to make that. Yeah. The, and that's one thing about it that that's hard to, to replicate is that just the experience I think does just improve almost like in a linear fashion. I think the more you do, the better you get with these races. So that's why so many people do the back to backs. Um, cause it can help. You can just get out there and some, you can see how somebody else does it. You can screw it up yourself. And I like what you said about just, going as hard as you can. That's all like in terms of result, there's nothing else that really matters. Right. Yeah. So you can go and get seventh, but if you push as hard as you can, you know it like then that, that's another thing that has helped me, which is really hard to do though. <laughs> it is really hard to kind of separate like a bad result from the effort. It's like, well, could I have gone harder? Um, just focusing on like myself has been a, a big part of that for sure. Yeah. Which I mean, ultimately it comes down to, that struggle that I I think I'm picking up from you have a very similar one that I do is like tying up my self-worth in a result. Mm. And I still struggle with that. I'm going to struggle with that this year 
at all the races I show up to and like, it's going to be a constant work in progress for me to be like, okay, maybe I didn't win this race, but like, that is not my value doing the best that I can to bring glory to God and to like love other people and to show love to other people. Like that's the best I can do and asking the most of myself that I can to be the best version of myself. That's ultimately like what's going to bring me meaning and purpose in life. Cause nobody in 10 years, like, well maybe very little people in 50 years are going to be like, Oh, remember Rylan won like big bear. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. or maybe even five years from now like it, it goes away quick and when like if you're gonna die on your deathbed and no one's gonna be like yeah i remember when rylan like won big bear 20 years sick. ago won, won big it was bear. pretty yeah. sick and it's just like no they're gonna remember like how you loved them how you acted um the effort level that you put into everything in life so to me it's more as long as i can say i'm being the best version of myself uh, it helps take the result out of it for me, but it's something I'm always going to struggle with. And the awareness is important too, right? Because like if I don't, I, I probably had no idea this is something I was battling with when I was in college, like why I felt terrible about mm. myself and about all these other things that were going on in my life because I didn't necessarily have, uh, I couldn't decouple what was happening. You know, it was all just happening to me. I didn't really have any uh, understanding as to why. So I think the the perspective and the, like being able to zoom out and, and seeing it the way you're, that you're talking is going to be really helpful too. Yeah. Um, so you got Arizona, are you doing Arizona this weekend? Not sure. Um, I would have to get a day traded off work. I did find a place to stay, uh, thankfully, but I'm also trying to listen to my body right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm still, uh, testing, I, I like, I tweaked something basically. I had like a small strain, I think from the chiropractic appointment slash running a little too much. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to like listen to my body and see how it feels. So I probably won't make the call until last minute. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly haven't really told anybody about it besides my family just cause it's frustrating cause it's on my opposite side. And I know I've done a lot of work single leg work to try and prevent additional injury on top of the secondary injuries that you get from being in a boot for eight weeks. Yeah. So I'm trying to prevent it getting worse. Um, and I'm really bad at dialing things back if I have a race coming up. So I'm not sure if I'm doing Arizona, I'm still planning on doing slow for sure. As long as I'm healthy. Um, but Arizona is really close. So it's kind of like that. I'll just see how I feel. And if I can, I'll go, if not, like, it's not a big deal. I already broke the rust off. I feel Mm. comfortable on all the obstacles. Like I have things to work on. So it's kind of like, I want to go cause I love to race, but we'll see. And in the last race, how did you, where did you separate from Hawk? How did you, how'd you get away from him? Um, he actually got away from me first cause there's a lot of vert at the beginning and a lot of people uh, have noticed that I do well with vert, which is true. I love like the, the more gnarly a course is the better, like I'm bushwhacking straight up the side of a mountain. Like awesome. Cool. (laughs) Um, 
that will suit me better than running flat most likely. But, um, Hawk is also very good vertically because he Mm -hmm. has mountains in his backyard too. And I, I was trying to figure out how to pace the super. So I decided I wanted to power hike some of the really steep spots. So basically he'd get away. I'd power hike right by uh, Mark and uh, Mark and I were kind of together for the first five, 10 minutes and Hawk would be a little bit away and then I'd catch Hawk on the downhill or rolling over. Um, and then after there was only like a thousand feet of, or 500,000 feet of vert somewhere, not much at the beginning mm-hmm. of the race. And then it was pretty much all flat. So my goal is just to come out of that with Hawk and conserve as much energy as I could through that. So we came out onto the flat part of the course together, and then um, basically what happened is we'd do an obstacle. I might gain a a second or two on him, um, and then he'd catch back up, and then he would he would usually he likes to be in front. I kind of noticed, so I wasn't sure how to pace the 10k, so I just was like, I'll just stay on Hawk's wheel, and I knew that the the last part of the race was mostly strength focused. So honestly, I was just like, as long as I get to the Atlas carry with Hawk, um, I think I'm going to be fine. Um, cause he's, I think he's like 135. He's pretty small. Yeah. Um, which he is incredibly strong and he has gotten better. And I know he's now that like the SoCal race happened, watch out. Cause he, he has a lot that he knows how to beat bigger guys on now. So like he, he got a lot of lessons and I got a lot of lessons from each other in that race. So he's going to be super dangerous. Um, but basically my goal is to get to the Atlas carry with him. And I was actually really surprised, uh, like through all the rolling Hills and all the trail running. And then even the grassy sections in the road, like I, I felt really within myself and really good. Um, and I was, like the pace was, was really good. And it was honestly, it was just really natural, uh, because we'd come up to an obstacle together. He might be a tiny bit faster. I may be a tiny bit faster. We'd come back together. Basically I'd park right behind him or he'd park right behind me. Um, I did try and take some pulls into the wind cause he's smaller, uh, mm-hmm. when we were running into the wind. Cause I felt bad cause I had been on his wheel for so long. Cause I was like, help. He was pacing working together. Yeah. 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 He was pacing the race for me. So when we went into some headwind sections, I was like, I feel bad. Like that (laughs) cyclist within me was coming out and I was like, ah, I feel so bad. Okay. Hawk hop on. I'll take a pull. So (laughs) that's honestly what it felt like. Um, cause I felt terrible about it, but then, uh, we got to the Atlas carry together. He got through that. No problem. Uh, there were a couple other things and then the plate drag is where we separated. Mm-hmm. We both picked the worst two plates cause all of them had, were on pretty flat ground except the first two. And when I'm running slow up to an obstacle, my thought process is if I'm running slow, I should just stop, take the first one and then accelerate out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm running fast, I'll take the last one and then accelerate out type thing. Yeah. But the first two were in a hole. <laughs> Like a divot. Yeah. Yeah. So we both yanked on it and like, I'm like close to 180 pounds and like we both yank on it and both of us don't get anywhere. (laughs) And then I like grab it both hands and just full on yank 
and he did the same thing. And the difference was he went forward and my plate started moving. And then once I got mine out of that hole, it went super quick. So I probably gapped him 15, 20 seconds on that one. And then after that, it was bucket carry, sandbag carry, oh. barbed wire crawl, and herc hoist. Herc hoist. Um, yeah. So after that, it was kind of just like a coast in between. Make sure he didn't, make sure he didn't make up time on me, and maybe save a little bit for uh, the five k the next day. And that was what so. happened in, in Utah too, right? Like it sounds like you you might be able to descend a little bit better than he does. Climbing He's actually a really fast descender. That's where we dropped Mark. Uh, oh, really? when we were yeah. over the tops, when we were descending, I think that's where Mark fell off. I would think just experience level, just being, uh, I, I know he probably trains a lot in mountains, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily race them. He's coming from a collegiate cross country and track and field yeah. seasons where, you know, with mountain biking, that is basically what you've been doing. So I'm sure he will be able to catch up pretty quick, but you would think he would have the advantage on the flats. So it's gotta be encouraging that he wasn't able to pull away from him. I was super surprised. Um, he did say like he, after XC season, he backed off and he's not as fit, uh, which totally makes sense. Like, I don't think anyone should be fit in January if they're trying to peak in July or True. August or, or for me, like November. So like me in January right now, I hope this is like I would really hope I'm not peaking just from all the base work that I'm doing <laughs> right. for a November race that I've got on the calendar basically. So it's like, uh, for Hawk, I know it's the same thing. So I'm sure but, he's, he got married. I'm sure he dialed it back. Like, but it felt right. good because he's, he's very quick. He's so exactly. fast. Like you're writing all those things. I'm sure he wasn't peaking for the race, but he's still 135 pound, 14, 45 guy on the track, you know, like yeah. he, even if he's not at peak fitness, like he should be probably faster than you on flats. So it's good to, that you're able to, to be there because you were not peaking as well. So that's awesome. So it's gonna be super encouraging. And I'm, it's cool that you guys are coming out at the same time. Last year I had a couple, uh, three or four really solid guys in the sport that are, that I hope to see, you know, you guys be like the new, the new generation of just people battling back and forth, be like the, the Pat Mahomes and, and Josh Allen of the of OCR, where you guys are just head to head for a long time. It sounds like and it sounds like that's what you and Hawk might be, just because you guys are so close in proximity too. It would be really fun. Super uh, fun. He's a good dude, so I'm excited. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what your season has. Uh, it sounds like everything is headed in the right direction. Happy that you're feeling healthy, at least from the injury, and that you're head in the right spot. So where can people uh, follow along if they want to reach out or if they just want to see your journey, like where, where can people follow you? Uh, so I'm most active on Instagram and I am trying to be a little bit more transparent and just share things that I learn on Instagram. So my Instagram is actually just my name. It's at Rylan Shattig. Um, and yeah, I mainly, mainly active on that a little bit on Facebook but it's just my name on Facebook as well, but mostly Instagram for like training tips and just what I do. Cause I like to get outside and have fun. So yeah. And then get some more videos up on YouTube, get some editing stuff, get yeah. it, get, get that YouTube rolling. Yeah. Um, Cause that'd be cool to get some, some race footage or however that would work. I don't know. I'm um, going to try and get a little bit more this year just, uh, just for fun. So we're using a GoPro. Yeah, so I do pretty much all of mine on GoPro. Um, I have uh, the nine, so it shoots in 4K, so it's pretty pretty good. But if it's hard to do cinematic type feel, 
but to mm-hmm. do like action so adventure wide. stuff, yeah. it's it's nice. So what would you need for cinematic feel for that? Would you just be like a like a gimbal? Uh, no, so it's not the gimbal. It's more the the ability to zoom in and out on a subject and to have the background be blurred. Or right, like, to, like your iPhone can. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's what I meant. Yeah, it's some of the iPhones are actually getting to the point where you can you can film pretty well on the new iPhones. Um, but They're I have an iPhone, iPhone eight because it still works and. I bought a house, so I'm trying to cut expenses right now. So uh, we're trying I, to keep it down. I've never gotten a new one just for the same reason. Like, I don't need all this stuff. But I had like an upgrade, like I switched providers and they were like mm-hmm. hooking up with deals like 300 bucks or something for the big fancy one. So I was like, I'm uh-huh. going to do it and see how nice. it goes. Let's try to put a cinematic mode whenever I can. Nice. Um, cool. All right, cool, man. Well, it was great chatting with you. I'm going to hit stop here. We'll pop back into that room where we started. And uh, yeah, that's it. So I appreciate you taking the time. Okay. All right. Thank you for the opportunity.